0: Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK podcast. Today, we're joined by two very special guests from GFK Consumer Life. I'll give you two a few seconds to introduce yourself. Rachel, why don't you start?
1: Great, thanks for having me. I'm Rachel Bonsignore, I'm a vice president on the GFK Consumer Life team. Um, Been here for nearly seven years, uh, working with clients across a variety of industries to help them understand how to implement trends um, to evolve their business.
2: Amazing,
0: and how about you, Tim?
2: Yeah, um, yeah. my name's uh, Tim Kenyon. I also work with the GFK Consumer Life Team as a, as a vice president, and uh, I serve in a, in a very similar function as Rachel, um, working across um, different brands, categories, and sectors to help deliver trended insights to our to our clients and our partners.
0: Awesome. So I'm really excited to have you both here because what we're talking about today is extremely important. You know, how can organizations leverage trends to help stay ahead of tomorrow's consumers. And I think that there's, you know, an opportunity here to go really beyond just the trends, but also how companies should be leveraging them and using the trends as a way to make informed decisions around their campaigns, their strategies, and all of those things. So before we get into all of that, I think it's important to understand the power and value of trends. So how can trends transform how a company navigates both internal and external decisions and situations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the thing that some people may not even realize about trends is how they play such a significant role in so many aspects of our lives and in the marketplace, right? The products available to you in stores, um, the brands that kind of break out from the pack and attain the greatest success, even the themes and tone of popular culture. Um, And so trends really are so integral to how we live our lives and how, um, you know, brands exist. Um, And we know in particular, during these times. It's it's a really tough time to do business, right? So not even just because of the pandemic and other crises that continue to arise, um, there's a lot that really is challenging business decision makers when it comes to things like long-term strategic planning, uh, customer targeting and loyalty building, organizational changes, um, understanding a really nuanced and polarized consumer. Um, So many traditional methods really need to be reinvigorated to keep up with, you know, the landscape of today and tomorrow. And trends can really help brands with so many specific aspects of their uh, everyday business, Um, whether it's getting smart on new markets or consumer targets, um, understanding a topic or audience before they're conducting custom research, um, planning for both the short-term future and the long-term future, um, whether it's sort of big picture blue sky innovation exercises, trends are really applicable for a wide range of disciplines uh, beyond just consumer insights, you know, from marketing communications to new product development to brand management and more. And so really kind of centering your approach with trends and making trends kind of the jumping off point for a lot of your other work can be really valuable. Um, Really by honing in on first the consumer voice to drive your strategic philosophy and your decision-making approach. Um, so with that sort of foundation, you can really solve unexpected problems and continue to uncover new areas of opportunity.
0: So like you said, you know, trends are the, is this jumping point of, you know, tackling all these different areas in your organization and your decision making. So how can you determine the types of trends that your organization needs to stay ahead of the curve?
2: Yeah, and I can, I can talk a little bit more um, about that question too. And you know it's it's mostly it's mostly science, but there's there's an art to it as well. Um, and also, I think it's important to remember that not all trends. And when we you know when we say trends, there's there's certain things that people start to think about. What does that mean? But all trends are not created equal. And it's important to separate um, what we see as you know really actionable insights for marketers um, from some of the noise that you might just see in, in in popular culture, right? So so trends. When we think about trends, they really emerge from deeper cultural and social forces. So think things like climate change, social unrest, uh, global health emergencies like a pandemic. Um, so we're less interested in what may be trending on Twitter a certain day or, or or fashion trends. These certainly could be important inputs into a trends framework or a wider narrative that you want to tell from a marketing standpoint, um, but should not be considered trends from a marketing or or corporate insights point of view at the level that we're talking about. In fact, our methodology looks at three different levels of trends, and, and we start at a really big level where we look at big external forces. And these are things that are, again, beyond the control of individuals, but really are at the root causes of a lot of consumer consumer train, change and drive the consumer trends and subtrends that we observe in the marketplace. Um, then after that, after we've kind of understood what are the big external forces, we can look at what we call consumer macro trends. And these are the consumer attitudes and behaviors that are shaped by those external forces and represent genuine long-term shifts in consumer wants and also needs. And then even under that, um, we can look at a third level, which are su- sub-trends, right? And these are specific aspects of key trends. Um, they might be shorter term in nature. They may-, may be more distinct, but still kind of sit in that family of of and insights that that we're looking to identify you know so one example of that um is a trend that we've been keeping an eye on for quite some time but has evolved um and that's the trend of seeking safety right so you could you could imagine that this has become increasingly important or became increasingly important throughout the pandemic but there's other elements to this as well to this trend whether it be you know digital uh digital safety online uh, physical safety, you know, worrying about, you know, crime in your neighborhood or crime in your com- community, right? But then there also can be a consumer response as well. So, for example, at, at, a, at a sort of a, tr- a subtrend level, right? During the pandemic, right? People were seeking safety. We saw upticks in, you know, purchasing of, of hand sanitizer, um, you know, wearing wearing masks, of course. So, There are these, you know, we're able to identify these forces, identify the trends, and then really also, I think, ultimately understand how will consumers respond. And that's how trends can be really powerful and also help, um, you know, a lot of the organizations that we work with.
0: Perfect. And I think that's a great segue. And what I wanted to talk about next is, you know, you mentioned seeking safety being, a, you know, a trend that, you know, consumers were really tapping into, especially during the pandemic. What are some actual key trends in today's marketplace that companies can use to anticipate their consumers changing needs? I feel like the world has definitely changed over the last two years. So what does that look like? What are some actual trends?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, certainly the last few years have thrown us all for a loop. But I think the thing we always want to convey with the brands we work with is that trends and people don't change overnight, right? So um, there are things that have been building up over the years. Seeking Safety was one of them. We saw that start to bubble up even before the pandemic. It just, what happens during times of crisis and disruption is that they sort of evolve and manifest in new ways. And so we really sort of, it's been a sort of interesting challenge for us to think creatively and um, to really project, you know, what that might mean for the future. And I think the overarching message is, number one, we are not going back to sort of the way things were before Or it's not, you know, the phrase back to normal probably does not apply here. Um, So really thinking about how these new manifestations of existing trends and emerging sort of ideas um, will look in the future. And there's a couple that are really interesting to us kind of off the top of my head. Um, One is what's happening with sustainability, you know, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, There were a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, predictions or thoughts and speculation about, um, will this set us back, right? Are we going to be more wasteful because we don't want to reuse plastics and things like that? Are we going to, um, you know, pollute more because everyone's driving in their own cars more because they don't want to be around other people? Are there going to be all of these sort of uh, negative impacts on the environment of, you know, lockdowns and safety measures and all of that? And what we actually saw was that was a real blip. (laughs) Now that we can sort of look back and um, a lot of concerns about things like climate change and pollution um, have really persisted and even grown among some groups just in the last couple of years. So continue a trend we were already looking at. Um, And we've, you know, this is actually not um, a new thing, right? We've been around for many decades. And one thing we've noticed during previous downturns is that eco-consciousness really does take new shapes and present new opportunities when the forces around us that, you know, um, kind of are mixed with environmental forces change. So that could mean resource conservation becoming a bigger thing. Um, It could mean um, new, expressions of the circular economy where people are looking at reused materials and buying used items and stuff like that. Um, it could be more of an emphasis on naturals because that value is continuing to increase. So it's kind of taking new shapes. Um, another one that's, you know, kind of really similar is how we are now looking at um, kind of the balance between online and offline worlds. Um, sometimes we talk about it in the term of like, a quote unquote, digital reality where, um, you know, the pandemic, obviously forced us to do more things virtually because it was safer or more cost effective or a lot of other reasons. Um, But a lot of these pandemic adaptations, we think, well, you know, they may not endure exactly in the same way, um, but they may become more mainstream behaviors a little faster than they would have if we hadn't had this disruption. Um, So what will be done in virtual platforms and video calls that, you know, may be beneficial to people because it's more accessible or something like that, but you know, that wasn't really why it started. Um, people have a greater appreciation for nature now, not just because of the sustainability concern, but because that's where it's, you know, the safest to be around other people. So, what does that mean for the types of activities and leisure behaviors that are getting more popular? Where people are going to be traveling, you know, what are they spending their money on? Um, there's all sorts of things that are, you know, blending online and offline activities in both our leisure and professional world that are going to evolve in new ways because of what we had to do in the last couple of years.
0: I love to hear that and something that you said really stuck with me, which is trends and people don't change overnight, but they do evolve over time. So I think, you know, if you can go talk a little bit more about what are some of the patterns of how consumer moods and desires evolve? What insights can you offer on what today's consumers want? Because of, I mean, some of these trends that you now tapped into, all these things that have been happening now What does that translate into for what the
2: consumer wants? So again, I think it's our trends, you know, we're thinking about them as being shaped by big external forces. And I think also kind of crucially is is trends work allows us to revisit, you know, key consumer motivations, preferences, um, other behaviors over time. And again, that's what helps us to understand larger cultural and social truths. So sometimes, yeah, we have to look backwards to understand where we're going in the future um uh, rachel's already mentioned uh rachel's already mentioned sustainability you know as, as a theme that's evolved as a trend that's evolved over time that's a really important one for our clients right now um and there are a number of other themes too that are evergreen in nature but evolve and change over time i think one really good example of this is how the notion of luxury has evolved since the great recession so if we go back um 10 to 12 years, about 2010, uh, we are, we were looking at millennials as re- redefining what luxury really meant. And this was, you know, at that time, the next generation of consumers, marketers were really interested in understanding where they were headed and the trends that were impacting them. And how millennials were thinking about luxury was a lot different than, say, how Gen X or their boomer parents may be thinking about luxury. It became much more about experience it was more tech forward right and this was a result again of of the recession especially that experiential aspect of 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 luxury not having to you know pay a lot of money for for something for example for a material for material possession and then also you know that that idea of being tech forward you know millennials again mostly mostly digital natives then you fast forward to 2017 by then it was a slow recovery but the the economy had Rebounded, um, and we did see a rebound in more material aspirations, more growth in premium categories, um, and of course, you know, we know what happened in 2020. The pandemic happens, and it threw everything into upheaval. Um, but it's interesting as we sort of emerged post-lockdown, and even even during the course of the pandemic, we saw certain luxury trends inch back up. Um, but the difference here is that it was driven mostly by um affluent and even hyper affluent individuals that really could spend the money on things like a second home, um, a, a luxury car. And a lot of this was also sort of in the in the backdrop of of you know ext- extreme ex- economic polarization in, in the u s, which also has an impact on on consumer themes, like, luxury as well. So it's really, I think it's really interesting to take a theme like that, take sustainability, luxury, uh, aspiration, you know, and really think about these are things that don't, the ideas that don't necessarily change too much over time, but the way they contextualize and the way consumers think about them and the way they work with these ideas does definitely change with the times too.
0: I think that's definitely an important point, how those two, you know, ideas are married and eventually produce the ultimate outcome. So now that you have the data, you have the trends, you have all of these insights in front of you, what do we do with it? So I would assume that, you know, there's one department usually or one function in an organization that works directly with the data. What department usually is that? I'm going to assume marketing, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. And then is there... An opportunity here for that data to not only just be used by that one department, but also trickle through the entire organization and for the entire organization to leverage the data in different ways. And what would that look like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And a a trends perspective really needs to be at an organizational level, at a corporate level. We do tend to work with, and, and I think most trends professionals... Um, where work, work with uh, people in an insights function or a, a market research function. That tends to be where a lot of the kind of the, the nitty-gritty hard work of identifying trends, understanding which trends are most important to a category or to your brand really happens. But from that, it's really important to socialize it throughout the entire organization and to, and to have people think about making decisions based on the trends that you're um, organization has identified. Um, I think it's really interesting. We've actually we 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 tend to work mostly with with insights and market research departments, but we've all, we've also worked with um, human resources, innovation teams, marketing, really to help them understand what's happening in the work in the in the in the world and how does that impact the work that they're doing. So even from a, a human resources perspective, thinking about what are the key trends that are impacting the workforce, right? So right now it's a lot of it is about being able to have remote work, more flexibility. Um, uh, uh, employees are are having a, a little bit more of a say in the direction of their companies in in in, in certain sectors. Um, and so, you know, we 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 see trends as not just being something that's a marketing function, but something that really can be holistic in nature and and hopefully impact. Um, provide impacts on an, you know, an organizational-wide perspective and not just within sort of a, 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 an individual silo.
0: I think your HR example was perfect on how you use trends to determine, you know, maybe some of the policies that you have in place and, you know, the benefits that you want to provide for your employees. It's a great way to use the trends, but there's often times where people are incorrectly using the trends, and it's an opportunity for them to kind of leverage them in a way that would actually benefit them versus hurt them. So, have you seen in, you know, the marketplace people using trends incorrectly and what the problem is and how they can course correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest sort of missteps, right, and th- things that people might miss speaks to what Tim just mentioned about how it really has to be holistic at the organization level, so not involving any possible uh, stakeholders that might be interested in trends that might apply to their division, not invite, uh, involving certain departments that could benefit from it, because not only will the, you then get the most value out of it, but you're also going to have the widest range of inputs, too, and perspectives, and you may They um, really miss out on something that would be a helpful uh, piece to consider in building your trends program if you don't involve everybody else. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes um, that do get made. A couple of other things just in terms of making it as strong a program as possible. um, Often there is not enough, I think, you know, big picture thinking and um, getting your inspiration from a variety of sources. So sometimes, you know, if you work with brands who are in one specific category, right, um, they don't realize that, you know, the consumer is a whole person. There's a lot of things that they um feel and value in their lives. So getting your inspiration from adjacent industries um, or other brands that maybe are just real great success stories, but may have nothing to do with your category, because it all comes back to having an impact on the consumer, regardless of how you get there. Um, I think another thing that, you know, may be a missed opportunity as well is, you know, everyone when they hear the word, you know, future, right, they um, have a very specific time frame in mind, right, maybe two years and maybe six years, whatever, a lot of that does vary by category. Um, but you kind of need to incorporate, you know, a number of different sorts of future thinking, thinking about the short term like the one to two year where some of those subtrends that Tim mentioned earlier can be most valuable um, and also a long-term view, right? Like what does your brand look like 10 years from now? Um, That can be very hard to predict because the world is changing so quickly, technology is changing so quickly, but really thinking about the future as a continuum and not just one specific point in time. And then the last thing I would say is um, really um, limiting yourself to just a couple of data sources or just one data source as your input. um, or not having that external context um, to your data to make sure you kind of understand the big picture can be a real miss. Um, You really want to collect as many sources as possible and evaluate them and then start to pare things down and figure out how to customize the information that's most relevant for your brand. But you got to get a lot of inputs first in order to create a strong program.
0: I definitely agree, and I think this conversation that we're having today provides this holistic view of trends and, you know, first the power of them, and then also how organizations can use them and also how to correctly use them. Um, speaking of, this conversation is part of a larger series that we are, you know, hosting at JFK, the Built for Success Toolkit, Um Why don't you guys take a few seconds to talk about what that toolkit looks like, what people can expect in the next part of this conversation, and if anyone does want to access them, you can always go to gfk.com, watch any of our past uh, on-demand videos, or register for upcoming uh, sessions for this series, but I'll give it off to you guys just to touch a little bit on that.
1: Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, the toolkit is really helpful as a way to frame it. You know, a trends program can be overwhelming and figuring out all the different pieces in your arsenal that you can use for various initiatives is helpful. And so, what we want to do with future sessions is to give you more details on tools that we've found really valuable in uncovering, defining, and tracking trends. So, what we're going to do first is have a session on generations. Um, And that's, you know, not a, you know, not a, we're not the only people that look at generations. But really, because we've been doing this for many decades and seen generations evolve, we really want to talk about how you have to be thoughtful and curious um, and think about longitudinal analysis of each groups and generations um, to find the right opportunities and you know understand the best way to think about these groups, um, to understand culture overall. Um, and then we're also going to do another session on personal values, which is another proprietary tool of ours. Um, it's really a great framework for understanding. Shifting consumer priorities over long periods of time and gives you a lot of inspiration on um, creative and tailored ways to reach consumers in a meaningfully, a meaningful way.
0: I love to hear that. And I'm excited for those sessions because I know that they're really packed with some really key insights that can really help an organization. So we like to close off our podcast episodes with a thinking ahead and closing advice segment. So as we think ahead, how do you see organizations leveraging trends and consumer data in the next 5 to 10 years?
2: You know, I think that it's it's I think it's going to be to answer really using trends to answer really big tough questions that the that the world is is facing. And there's a lot of uncertainty, there are you know, the perception or the reality of such massive problems in the world today. Uh, and I, I I do think that there's going to be have to be more exploration um, from companies around these big questions questions around the economy and inflation, uh, s- sustainability and and climate change, um, and even issues related to inequity and and inequality um, in um, in in society. So I I think that you know it's it's in, it's important that um, brands and companies think specifically about their customer, what they're trying to achieve. But increasingly, these big problems, these external forces, right, that's what we talked about at the beginning, are, you know, infiltrating everyday consumer decision making. And to understand how these external forces are affecting and impacting the way people think and what they buy is going to be really critical and important for companies that want to remain successful.
0: Like you just said, it's really important for companies, you know, as The world is rapidly changing, so all of these problems that will be something that companies need to consider, when do you think companies should be seeking out data so that they can be in the know and make informed decisions to stay ahead and remain successful?
1: Yeah, I mean, the earlier, the better, as we've talked about before, um, because this sort of information can be a really valuable valuable input in any sort of decisions you're going to make. And so what's always ideal is if you have some sort of structured um, idea of trends or framework, you know, it can be as kind of informal as or formal as makes sense for your organization, but having kind of a set um, starting point for trends in place uh, before making major changes or strategic moves or reacting to unexpected crises is really helpful because, as we mentioned earlier, it's an input for so many different sort of initiatives. It also gives a lot of context and deeper understanding to work that's already been completed, too. So this sort of data that comes directly from the consumer and their voice is invaluable in um, driving these decisions. So the more you have structure around it and a sense of what works best for your company, the better you'll be equipped to make decisions for the future.
0: And on that note, I want to thank you both for joining me today. I think that we had a really great conversation, and I think a lot of organizations can benefit from the trends and the, you know, just the overall approach that one should have when you know once you have the trends, how to go forward and move um, strategically. So thank you for joining me. I want to have you back. I know that this conversation is going to continue as we tap into the other parts of the toolkit that you mentioned. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to have you back. I know that we'll talk about all the other parts of the toolkit. But until then, I'll see you all next time. And make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so that you can keep thinking ahead.